The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair Podcast with your host, Lakeisha. And today I have a very special guest with me. He is a licensed clinical social worker and my friend, I'm going to say that. <laughs> um, Marcus, do you want to introduce yourself and say hi to the TZ listeners? I can. Hi, my name is Marcais Littlejohn. I am a licensed clinical social worker and a psychoanalytic therapist, and I love melanin mental health. So yes. that's what. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my thing, and that's my calling in life. Yes, I love it. I love it. And you are so tight because you were nominated um, as one of the fifteen black male therapists you should know in the Huffington Post. So that is so dope. Congratulations. Thank you. That was a great honor. That was something that wasn't expected. (laughs) (laughs) That means you're doing some dope stuff with melanin and mental health. So, (laughs) yes. And you want to tell people where you at right now? Like, I love you so much because you are taking time out of your vacation to do this. (laughs) (laughs) I am currently Miami, Florida. I'm down here on vacation. I don't get a lot of those. You know, with our work, we're always busy, but... Oh, yeah, but I wanted to support you and support your vision and dreams. So I was like, I definitely am going to do this on vacation. Hey. So I am enjoying <laughs> <laughs> And I promise I won't keep you long because I know you want to get out there in the hot sun and uh, <laughs> enjoy the weather down there. Yes. Yeah, so do you want to talk about, like, um, who your current clients are, what you're doing right now um, with therapy? I can Okay. Currently, I'm working for the federal government and state of California in prison reform. So right now, I am working with the prison system and trying to reform it because one problem that we saw is that a lot of people are repeat offenders. So we're missing something in the forefront. So we had to kind of figure out what is it that we're missing. And one of the main things that was going undiagnosed was mental health illnesses and how it drives the recidivity rate and people coming back to prison. So my job is kind of to go into the system to see where they've messed up and to help them reform it and give people the services that they need. Currently, I am working in what we call the intensive care part of the system where the people who are severely mentally ill are and trying to get them to a point of functioning so they can go back to the main population of prison and so they can have be connected to services and medicine so when they leave have a lower chance of coming back mm. and on that i am also working with the agency hands to guide you in oklahoma city where mm. i do video therapy or teletherapy and i work with different mood disorders i work with children with adhd i work with relationships marriage people who want to get married and want to make sure that it's the right decision for them and also people that are getting divorced and want to know how to get divorced, still be friends, and figure out who they are as not a couple, but as a single person. Mm, I do my own little therapy. (laughs) And then I do my own little therapy on the side, um, Kairos Therapeutic Alliance. And I also do a blog on Facebook, Kairos Corner. Make sure you check it out. Yes. (laughs) And we can actually um, talk a little bit about Kairos Corner because you have a, um, a video series going on right now. Right. about So let's let's talk about that. So basically right now I had a lot of 
send me messages asking about masculinity and what is it, what is masculinity supposed to look like? And that's one of the things that's come up in the prison system also. And what I found was that people don't really have a real sense of what masculinity is supposed to be like. So what we do is we borrow a little bit from our society, our culture and different things like that. But nobody really knows what it is to be a African-American masculine man. Because what happened, what happens is in slavery, it was kind of ripped. Masculinity was ripped away from the man because he was seen as an opponent of the slave master. So what happens at that point is young males grow up in that system, not knowing really what it is to be a African-American male. So they look to the only masculine presenter that's there and that's the slave master. So they kind of gain some of his tendencies and they put it into masculinity which we see a lot in like the aggression the anger we Mm -hmm. see that a lot in the music we saw it in portrayal of movies back in the 50s and 60s we had the whole black buck stereotype where he was really strong he didn't have feelings he was emotionless and the women loved him he was strong and everybody feared him and then we went to the 70s where we have black exploitation where, you know, it was cool to do drugs, be a womanizer, not really be there. He was still aggressive and not fulfilled. So resoundingly, masculinity in the black community came to say that as a black masculine male, you don't have feelings, you don't feel, you don't cry. And that right there robs the prison system. Mm. Because when people don't have an outlet, let those emotions out, then they're at a high likelihood of committing a crime in the future because or doing drugs to fulfill those feelings in that void that they have. Mm-hmm. So my series kind of delves in how to learn to be the total man. Either you are the leave it to beaver dad where you go to work and provide for your family and you're not really intimate with your partner because you don't really know how because you don't have feelings. Mm-hmm. Or you're the opposite where you are with your partner and you are able to do everything they want, speak their love language, but then you're not a provider and they can't really count on you. So what happens is a lot of women that I've done counseling with recently have had a main guy and a side guy. And Mm -hmm. my goal series was to get the men to be the total male. So it's, I am the total male. I am the main dude and the side. So that's, and it's teaching men wherever you are, meeting where you are. And if you, need that need to learn how to speak their love language you need to learn how to feel and know that it's okay to feel this is how you do it if you don't know how to if you've had a history where maybe you've been incarcerated and you don't feel like you can get a good job making a plan learning your resources in your community to help you get to where you want to be and having that vision and that goal so the series is i like it it's dynamic so it's kind of dealing with two different things at one time and helping people get to who they want to be and ultimately defining their own masculinity and not going by the status quo, which doesn't exist. Yes. And I love how you put it in such like millennial type terms or current terms, you know, the main guy and the side guy, (laughs) like you can be both. (laughs) There's no need for a person to have two different people for that role. (laughs) And it spices up a relationship. If you can be two different guys in one, why, why wouldn't, why would somebody not want to be in a relationship with you? You can fulfill all of their needs. Yes, that is so awesome. That is so awesome. So I, I definitely will have you back to talk about that um, during my relationship series, which will start next month. So I definitely want you to um, share with our listeners what you are sharing on your um, Facebook Live videos about that. So I think they definitely need to hear that. <laughs> so, yes. Um, 
what <laughs> so what is the common theme that you see working with your clients um, in the community or in the prison? I would say actually they mirror each other a lot. I would say again, and with the black males, it is the fact that men. It's the idea of men don't cry and men can't mm. be vulnerable. You have to be hard. You have to always show the stoic face. You always have to be stoned. And I think that's the problem because as humans, we are people who feel. And if mm. you take away that from somebody and tell them that they can't do it, what happens is, and this is what I explain on my blog also, is that you have what you call cognitive dissonance, which means that you have one feeling about something and you have another feeling about the same thing and it's like they're fighting each other in your head so it causes depression, it causes mm -hmm. anxiety, it causes anger, it causes vulnerability. So what you have to learn is it is okay to be the, to have the masculinity that you have. It's okay to have feelings. It's okay to be a feeling person and it doesn't make you any less than a man. And I think with the prison system, a lot of guys that I've seen have gone through abusive mm -hmm. childhoods and mm -hmm. so what happens is they're told to get over it mm, and yeah. you don't you don't get over it you put it under the surface and what happens is it comes out in different ways once you just put it under the surface and you don't deal with it and sometimes that comes out in drinking that comes out in mm -hmm. doing drugs that comes out being violent and if you put all those together it can culminate to going to prison and mm. having a prison sentence yeah that is so, so that's that's the Thing that I see and even in with black females that I work with um, it's also this idea of just getting over it deal mm -hmm. with it it's mm -hmm. happened to me before so it, you can deal with it too and don't talk about it mm. and and I and that, oh go ahead go ahead no no that's just the common thing that I see so far mm -hmm. um, I was just gonna say you know that is speaking more to us culturally as well because just you know think about right. us as a culture being black we're told get over it I went through it you'll be fine you know? Right. And I think that that does the person a disservice because it's basically telling them not to acknowledge their experience wholly. Mm. It's only telling them to acknowledge a quarter or half of who they are. And that's not fair because what happens with the other part? Mm. You just ignore half of who you are. It just doesn't work. That's good. So we have to find those outlets as melanin people to... Mm let that out and to deal with it because one thing that I always tell my, my patients that I work with is if you have a apple at the bottom of a bag and if it starts rotten, mm -hmm. then it will affect every other apple in that bag. If you have feelings that are in, that are in your life or in your subconscious of abuse and hurt and, and it's in there, it's going to affect the rest of your life. It's going to affect your other feelings. It's going to affect your other thoughts, your other emotions. So eventually you have to deal with, it. you have to take the apple out of the bag to save the bag. Mm. Wow, that's some good stuff. <laughs> now, when you get that client in front of you that have have those emotions and don't know how to um, properly process them, what does that look like in session? Well, I will we'll go to the prison system because that's, you know, mm -hmm. the, the main one I'm doing now. But that comes off as I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to trust you. And I'm not going to give you the information that you want. So for me, it becomes more so with the first three or four sessions, it's just building that rapport, showing them that I am actually there to help them with these feelings and showing them that they can trust me with these feelings and I won't judge them with those feelings. Because the one thing that they've had in their life over and over and over is it's not okay to feel this. And then you have this 
this guy coming and telling you it's okay to feel this for the first time, you're like, mm, I don't know you. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that. And it's hard being vulnerable. So I have to build a, I have to build a trusting relationship that we can both go back and forth. And then once I'm able to do that, then they're able to say it's okay. And more than likely, they'll start off with something little and we'll deal with it. And then as they build more trust with me, then we get to the real deep core of the problem. Because I always tell people when somebody's dealing with substances, whether it's drugs or alcohol, drugs and alcohol treat mental health conditions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the goal is to find out the root cause of the addiction. And once you figure that out, then it's easier because then they won't need to mask that pain. They'll be able to learn skills to deal with that pain. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's so true. And now I know you get um, clients, um, especially in the prison system, I'm sure that um, come with their own religious beliefs and perspectives. How do you combat that with trying to make them aware about mental health and therapy and that it's okay to feel and, you know, it's okay to see a therapist while yet still having your spiritual. So I will. I'll give you just an example of one of the ones that I had last week. And I was, I've been talking to this guy maybe for three weeks now. And he said, well, I'm just going to pray and God is going to take away my depression. And I'm great. Mm. And of, of course, as a therapist, I acknowledge everything that you say. So I was definitely okay with that. But then I posed him, I posed a question to him. And my question was, what if God sent me as the answer to give you what you need and to help you get to the place that you want to be what if god gave me the insight and judgment and information that you need to get to your next step Hmm. is it possible that god can use a therapist to give you your healing does it necessarily have to come directly from him or can he use other other resources and Hmm. he stopped and thought about it for a good 10 minutes and it was kind of like an aha moment like wow maybe that can happen so i think it's just kind of changing the idea of in our in religion that it has to come in one specific way and it can't come from different ways. And I think that that's something that we have to be, you know, kind of careful with and we kind of have to educate people because I know in me growing up and going to Sunday school all the different years, I remember like Bible verses that the God can, he can do stuff that confines the wise. He can do it in different ways. It doesn't always have to be the same way. So I think we need to adopt it as a culture and say, maybe God's healing can come through mental health or can come through a therapist. Mm, that's good. Now, how can we bridge that gap in our community and within the churches to help have them understanding? Because um, I've put it up there on my um, IG page, like you can pray and um, see a therapist at the same time. And you might also get a therapist that's going to pray with you. So how can we, That's true. <laughs> you know, and I, and I like to say, see, see myself as a spiritual therapist, you know, um, with that spiritual component. Now with every client, will I do it? Probably not necessarily, you know, depending on how I'm led um, and what they give me in terms of um, their spirituality and things of that nature. Um, but how can we just do a better job with trying to get the information out there to the community and to the church and like just closing that gap? Like, what can we think, do? So, you know, intentionally, that's me. I yes. think that the first step is people, it starts in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the pulpit, people should be more honest with what they're going through in their, in their everyday lives. Because I think that if they're more honest and say that they're dealing with mental health issues and they're getting help for it, then the congregation will be more willing to do it. 
Mm-hmm. So I think, first of all, it starts with just being honest. It starts with educating. It starts with the church inviting more mental health professionals to come talk or come in do different seminars or different things like that. But the first thing we have to do is be honest with ourselves and with our congregation. And and from there, then more people will be liberated. Mm, that is so good. I'm so glad you t- you said that because um, I just um, actually joined the health and wellness ministry um, at my church. And, you know, of course, it's like a lot of MDs and nurses. Um, I was the only behavioral health person there, you know, but they were definitely excited to have me a part of it. Um, Because we talked about, you know, how every piece works together, you know, your spirituality, your physical health and your mental health, like all of that needs to be on the same accord for you to be your best self. Um, So, yeah, so I I feel like definitely like my church is um, moving towards that direction of um, just being open and having those conversations about mental health. Um, And that is real out here. (laughs) It's not fake. I think if you know anybody who's ever done dialectical behavioral therapy which you know is used with really suicidal patients if you connect that patient to a spiritual source that increases their protective factors of not um, wanting to commit suicide so that actually is a deterrent to suicide if you can connect somebody to a spiritual basis which is why aa uses it because once somebody connects the spiritual aspect and that they have more of a chance to not go back to a substance so spirituality and believing in a higher power is it goes hand in hand with mental health because you have better outcomes when you do. Mm, that's good. That's good. So, yeah. So, again, it's like you need all those pieces. You do. Mm, that's really good. And I know we, um, you know, in, in today's world, we have a lot more people coming out um, about mental health, like, you know, um, hip hop artists and even gospel artists, you know. Um, right. Uh, James Fortune, like maybe like a week or so ago, just came out how he was battling with depression and things of that nature. Um, And like how people was like giving him the side eye and things like that. How do you feel that changes people's thoughts about mental health when these gospel artists who we love and may look up to, um, you know, and and definitely are um, anointed with um, within their calling of um, music? How does that change for us, you think? I think that we live in a very visual society, which is why commercials and different things like that work so mm-hmm. well. And I think that once it's, once somebody of the James Fortune caliber comes out and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I've been dealing with for a long time. And this is how I've gotten through it. Then I think it makes it more acceptable mm-hmm. because it, it opens the door to if he can do it, then I can do it. Wow. I thought that this person was and just using quotation marks because mm-hmm. my <laughs> clients and patients like this was a super christian and if that person is a super christian and they still deal with this then me not being a super christian or a super muslim it's then it's okay for me to deal with this too and it's okay for me to have these feelings and it's okay for me to get help so i think as more people in prominent positions come out and show that they are dealing with this and they're getting help for it then i think that it would affect the community more because still the bedrock of the black community to a certain extent, it's still the church. So I think if the church would embrace mental health more, then it would be more accepted in the African-American culture and African-American diaspora as mm. in general. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. So I think, um, like you said, just for us getting connected and for um, those leaders to invite more clinicians or if you're affiliated with your church and you are a clinician, maybe taking that initiative to be like, hey, what do we think about, you know, having like um, a health seminar and, you know, 
sometimes I think us as black people, we get scared when we talk about mental health because we automatically think of, you know, the stigmas. Oh, you crazy. Um, That's white people stuff. Um, You know. And that's true. And the thing about it, and one of the other things that I kind of talk about is there is no way that people could go through 400, 300 years of being oppressed and automatically just be okay. Mm -hmm. And some stuff and some dysfunctional thought processes weren't passed down. So as a African-American culture, we have things that we still are dealing with, things that were passed down. And we do need therapy. We do need mental health professionals. We do need to let stuff out. So it's definitely okay. And I think that's the thing that people have to know. It doesn't mean you're crazy. And it's not just white people stuff. It's people stuff. And it's the fact that we need to start our own healing. And if you feel more comfortable, if you think you feel more comfortable talking to an African-American therapist, then great. Because, like, I have this thing, hashtag my therapist is black. There's a lot of black therapists out there who you might feel that you gel with better and you can have a better rapport with. So find somebody who you feel that you can be honest and open with. Mm, that's true. That's true. And what about for you? Um, you know, I know some um, clinicians see a therapist as well. I, I Over this past week, I was like, you know what? I need to see a therapist because um, <laughs> I was like, I got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and right. I'm not afraid to say that. Like, yes, I help people. I'm a therapist, but I need a therapist, too. Now, do you? And um, I think every, yeah, I, I actually do have a therapist. Okay. <laughs> I think that. Every therapist should have a therapist because the reason why is because we work with in a highly emotional state all day long. Mm-hmm. And so we are helping people with their emotions, helping people process their emotions. So kind of you have to, it kind of weighs you down a little bit and you kind of get exhausted. But then you have to deal with your own emotions and your own isms once you get off of work. So it's good to have somebody who you can go talk to, who you can process with and kind of unload and free yourself with. So I think that, Every therapist should have a therapist. I'm a bit, <laughs> I'm a bit proponent of that one. Yes, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Y'all hear that? Markai said every therapist needs a therapist. So I'm, I'm definitely like this week. That's my goal. Like is to look for a therapist for me. <laughs> and just like I tell people, hashtag my therapist is black. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> that I love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. Um. And you just have so many wonderful things going on. But um, I think when we first talked, I was like, goodness, like we best friends now. Like, you know, you, <laughs> we, it, we were just meant to be um, like our first conversation. I was like, oh, my gosh, like I, I was having like a real life therapy session with you. Um, <laughs> you are called the intentional therapist. Like, I know why, but talk to my listeners and tell them why you are the intentional therapist. I think the um, well, I, the reason why I am the intentional therapist is because I am all about having conversations that people don't want to have. And I think that if we never have these conversations, we never change. So my job and I feel my calling is to start those conversations that people don't want to have so we can get the answers and get the healing that we haven't haven't had before. And I think that a lot of people... You know, kind of like, uh, I don't want to touch that subject. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how people are going to take it. And I'm like, okay, I'm for it. Let's do it. <laughs> like, let's have that conversation. Let's do it. Let's start a Facebook. Let's start a Facebook series about it. Because, mm-hmm. again, the masculinity thing, it was a conversation that a lot of people were having, but nobody really wanted to say, hey, I don't know what it's really like to be a masculine man, or I don't know what it's like to be a man. Um, so we're just going to skirt around it. And I'm like, no. We need to figure out why some guys the main dude and some guys the side dude. Like, why do we have two? Why can't this be the same guy? So mm-hmm. let's have this conversation. Yeah. And from that, you know, a lot of 
good things that come. I've had a lot of inboxes, a lot of guys like, hey, I'm, I've been dealing with this for a long time. Thank you for having that conversation. And I think intentionally that's what us as therapists, that we as therapists have to do. We have to have those conversations. We have to go back to our community. We have to go to church. If you don't believe that mental health has a place in the church, then why not? Let's have that conversation. Mm-hmm. If you think that it should be in the church, great. Let's have the conversation of what is our next step? How are we going to affect the people in our congregation? So it's having those conversations. It's putting yourself out there. Yes, I love that. I love that. And you definitely are intentional. Like, I, and I love that about you. Like, like I said, just our very first conversation, you had me thinking like about my dreams and goals and motivations when I first started podcasts. And I was like, I was so afraid to be like, I want a nationally syndicated show. Like I'm whispering it. Um, And what? it's like, but do you really want that? Or what are you afraid of? And it's like, you have to be intentional about everything, every step you take, every move you make, like literally. And I will tell, um, and I'll tell people this. I know, and I said this on, on my blog also. I went to a point when I was in grad school where, you know, I was a little bit sad. And I would say I had some depression there. And mm-hmm. I remember how I wanted my life to look and how it was looking. And I remember, um, and my friends laughed at me because they said I had a Mary Jane Paul moment where <laughs> I would have what I was, <laughs> what I was excelling at on one side of my mirror. And the things that I wanted to improve on, not the things that I was doing wrong, but the mm-hmm. things that I wanted to improve on because I gave it positive language. Yes. And then on the back of my door, I had all my goals for the future. Mm. So what that does is I, every morning I get to see what I'm doing right. I get to put in my mind things that I want to improve. And right before I walk out of the door, I have all my long-term goals and short-term goals. So every moment after I walk out of that door, I make decisions intentionally to be the person that I want to be and that's how the whole intentional thing because we have to live intentionally we have to make decisions that want that we want to reflect the future that we have I mean that we want to have and not the present that we're living in or the past that we once lived in Mm, I love that I love that now do you have a special like quote or saying that you live by or is it strictly like be intentional um, actually, the Coach Carter quote is what I call it from Marion Williamson is that like that is my main thing that I go to. And the one part of it is you don't serve the world while being small. When you let your light shine, you give others the permission to do it also. Mm-hmm. So by me living intentionally, I give everybody else the permission to live intentionally also. And so that is like my my major quote that I go by. It's It's on everything in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it. Oh. But yeah, the name of it is Our Deepest Fear. So I know a lot of people thought the Coach Carter movie, so I was yeah. called the Coach Carter quote. <laughs> yeah, my daughter loves that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. Um, tell the listeners where they can find you at, you know, if they want to Facebook stalk you, I don't know, um, <laughs> or reach out to you for <laughs> teletherapy. <laughs> Or to so it, inbox you about masculinity or something like that. So my um Facebook page is Kairos. That's K A I R O S Corner K O R N E R. So if you look up Kairos Corner, you definitely will find it. Um, on there you will find all my other information. I have a website. It's www.kairos90210.com. And that's K-A-I-R-O-S 90210.com. And all my my phone numbers are on there. My email is on there. And everything that you could possibly need to get in touch with me is definitely on there. Oh, yay. 
I'm so excited. And y'all, I am going to bring Mr. Marcias <laughs> back about the relationship series because I really think we can have, you know, definitely an in-depth conversation about the side guy and the main guy because I'm going to definitely be touching on that about women, you know, the side chick and the main chick. Right. Um, what's the need for it? What, what, you know, what does that mean when we fall into those stereotypes for ourselves, you know, to go beyond, you know, how love and hip-hop and stuff may glamorize it, you know, let's get to the root of it. Right. You know, and talk about right. the realness of it. Um, so, yes, I am so grateful for you taking the time out and talking with me. Why are you on vacation at that, you know? so <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm all about supporting. So, yeah, you, you are, are one of my best friends. Yes. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to support you. Yes. I'm going to support you in all your endeavors. Yes. Because you, you are making Oh, yes, we doing melanin and mental health, so... <laughs> Yes, so you enjoy the rest of your vacation and we'll definitely be in touch. And I thank you so much. And I thank you for the opportunity to speak to your listeners. No problem. Anytime, because I'm going to have you back. So, you know, you're going to be a regular. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your vacation. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. All right, guys, I thank you for listening to my guest, Marcus Littlejohn. I will also have his um, contact information attached to my description and on my website at www.theevolvingchair.com. Um, today is Sunday, July 23rd. Um, so by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be Thursday. So it'll be after the fact. Um, but today I actually had the opportunity to go down to 23rd and Nash um, and be a part of um, the rally that was going on for the little guy that um, got shot. Um, and it, it was just really sad to see. But um, it was empowering to see all the people out there wanting to make a change, you know, definitely with um, the gun violence and just violence, period. So my thing for you all is, you know, just just make a difference in your community. It starts there and it starts with us. You know, Mayor Barrett actually said something really powerful. He was like, you know, we're waiting on um, Washington to do something. We're waiting on Madison to do something. He said, but they're not coming. And I'm like, man, <laughs> he's like, you know, it has to start with us. It happens with us. We're the only ones that can make a change. So for y'all that are waiting for, you know, laws to be changed and things like that, like we have to first start within our community um, and just getting people to understand the importance of valuing each other's life, valuing their own life. Um so I was really great that I had the opportunity to actually have my daughter with me. So I think it was great for her to actually see that advocacy piece um, within our community um, and how we can all get together and it not always be something crazy. But um, yet, you know, definitely a sad time for us all to get together. But, um, you know, it definitely makes us stronger in numbers. Um, and then, too, um, I, I had the opportunity to go to the Social X tailgate. You know, such um, a great group of people, young professionals that are doing some great things this week. Um, they're, they're calling it the Milwaukee Homecoming Week. So um, you guys 
go on their website. Um, I don't know the exact address, but I know they're on Facebook, Social X, um, Milwaukee or MKE. And it has all of their activities that they have going on. So you guys go out and support them. And then I actually have a special project I am a part of with a group of my best friends called Brunch with Besties. So the first episode is live and up. So go listen to it on SoundCloud. Like us, share it, tell a friend and let us know how we're doing. And then send us some questions or if you want to send us feedback, go and visit us brunch with besties podcast at gmail.com or on IG brunch with besties. So check that out. And until next time, peace. Hey, TC listeners. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, and rate this podcast. You can send me emails with questions, comments, and feedback to TECpodcast2017 at gmail.com. On Twitter at TECpodcast2017. IG at TECpodcast. Facebook, The Evolving Chair Podcast. Or check out my website at www dot the evolving chair dot com. So go listen to me on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play.